0: Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares encourages us to be ready to follow God's plans.
1: I need to be ready to be redirected. I need to say, I hold all my plans loosely. Maybe God will engage you in a divine appointment where someone has been prepped and you need to have a two hour conversation and you won't be home until four. Are you ready to say that's the way I live my life?
0: if you prefer to have your day all mapped out then god's divine appointments may feel like interruptions or even inconvenient detours but god may be intentionally sending you in a direction that wasn't on your schedule are you willing to go along today on focal point pastor mike fabares challenges us to make room in your day to share the gospel and expect to be redirected i'm dave drewy And it's time to open your Bible to Acts chapter 8, verse 25, for part two of a message titled, Showing Up for Divine Appointments.
1: Acts chapter 8, verse 25. Follow along as I read it for you from the English Standard Version. It says, now when they, and and though it may include more than this, it certainly included Peter and John, the apostles, had testified, right, they verified, they ratified this, this conversion of the Samaritans in the Samaritan city, And they spoke the word of the Lord there in that scene. They returned to Jerusalem. Now, as they were going, look at this, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. That was the whole thing, this pivot of the Samaritans getting saved. And then we had this weird detour with Simon the magician. And now they're on their way back and they're just, they're stopping, you know, for gas more than they need to so they can sit there and share in the villages of the Samaritans about the gospel. Now, focus back to Philip, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Luke adds this line, this is a desert place. Why? What for? This is a place that God is calling Philip to go that makes, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. A deserted place, right? A desert place. But he went. God knew, providentially. He had a, a divine appointment set up. Verse 27. So he, Philip, rose and went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. Right? It was, it's not just something describing his biology, something about his, uh, his status, his, his court official status of Candace, which is the Nubian word for queen, and it's repeated for us in Greek, the next word, the, the queen of the Ethiopians. So Candace, perhaps that's her name, but certainly her title, and it's translated here, queen of the Ethiopians. It's probably modern day Sudan, the Nubian desert, but it's way south of Egypt, right down the Nile. and, and so. She is a big wig, and this is a big wig, because this eunuch, this official in the court of the Ethiopian you know, magistrate, the leaders, the queen, it says, was in charge of all of her treasure. So think about that. That's an important official, the minister of finance or the head of the, the, the Federal Reserve, or you know the CEO of a giant company. This is a big and important role. Interesting, he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading, talk about God preparing the situation, the prophet Isaiah. Great opportunity, divine appointment, and Philip's got to show up for this. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. That's all I'm going to draw a line right there. Let's just look at this particular passage and say, wow, look at Philip. He is a good example. Whether or not you think he has the great advantage of having God speaking to him audibly through an angel or the Spirit speaking to him, whether this was audible or not, the point is he's responsive. And so I wanna get us to the end of this sermon saying, I'm gonna step into my week, making sure that I do what God tells me to do, what he asks me to do, given this very important task we have to advance the gospel in our generation. So here's the deal. I know you're never gonna really be inclined to show up to the divine appointments for you to open your mouth about Christ if you're not already, the precondition here, resolved in your life, this is my resolve, to share the gospel. Number one, take notes. Be resolved to share the gospel. Just starts with that. Do you accept the reality that you are a spokesperson for God in this world? I want you to be committed and resolved to sharing the good news. That's what gospel means, the good news. And it says that's the the group that he was a part of in verse 25. He was a part of a team. That was all about that. I need you to be committed to a team, your small group, your best friends, and the church that you're a part of. To be committed to, resolved to. And the primary thing, as it relates to how we interface with our world, is the message of Christ and Him crucified. You ought to be resolved. That ought to be the, the ultimate resolve. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's turn to it real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And and I want to take you to this passage, not only because it's one of many passages relating to the resolve of sharing the gospel, in this case, Paul coming into Corinth and Macedonia, but he shows that it does not mean that he's not afraid or fearful or anxious or trepidatious about the encounters. Look at verse 1, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, which by the way is one of the mistakes we make thinking that we have to have some grand presentation that sounds so erudite and so smart and I'm I'm such a great philosopher. If you got those talents and skills and, and, and background, great. But just a forthright proclamation of the truth. That's what he says in verse two. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Back to the focus of what churches should be all about. We gotta love God, we gotta know God, we gotta proclaim Christ between Sundays. So that, that just has to be our commitment. And in this passage, I just think, it, it, obviously he talked about other things, you know that. Clearly, I mean, he knew other things in Corinth. The whole book is unfolding all kinds of issues that he addressed. But this is a statement that is showing, if, if I talk about nothing else, it's, it's this. The top priority that overshadows them all, when I'm interfacing with non-Christians, I want you to know about Christ and him crucified. That just has to be my commitment. Now, when I came with that commitment, I, I was there with weakness and fear and trembling you know, in my speech, and my message, they weren't implausible words of wisdom. Of course, they liked all that. The sophistry of ancient, you know, first century rhetoric and all that. Fine, people want that. But no, I came with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, which he defines, by the way, in 1 Thess, as the fact that it comes with conviction. This isn't just necessarily a statement of the miraculous signs and wonders that the apostles had, which he does talk about to the Corinthians, but it's the idea, as he said to the Thessalonians, where people felt the conviction when the truth was shared, just like we're going to see from the Ethiopian when Philip shared the message. But he says, it wasn't about that, about plausible words or some philosophical, it it was about the power of God's spirit in this message, so that your faith, verse 5, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You look back and say, yeah, I got the message, it changed my life. Spirit invaded my life, I'm different now, I'm forgiven, guilt was removed, the presence of God was established, I was reconciled to God. That comes through people like Paul who are resolved to share it. So if you're going to have an opportunity this week to share the gospel, make sure you show up to all those appointments. Don't turn away. It's got to start with an underlying commitment to say, I'm resolved to share this. I'm committed to sharing this. I am all about sharing this. I will share this. Back to our text. Now the spirit, as I think this phrase may even represent here, the message that comes from God, the angel of the Lord says to Philip, rise and go south toward the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Verse 27, he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. Again, I just want to talk about the fact that this is a divine appointment, which we can only see in the rearview mirror of our week or our month or our year. Hey, God put me in touch with this person. Look how that worked out. God had prepped him. Now I came as the sower with the seed and I was able to bring the message to that person. And you don't always see that. And again, I just want to emphasize it's not what Philip wanted to do that afternoon is go to a desert road that goes somewhere where he wasn't going. But God put him there. And as humbling as it may be, I just want you to see the Christian life, at least in part, as God the chess master moving pieces around on the chessboard to say, okay, I need you here. I need you in this conversation. I need you to engage with those people. I need you in this office here because I need you as a light and a a, a mouthpiece for the truth. And you just need to say, okay, I just need to be willing like Philip, where I may have other plans for my day, but I'm going to go and be utilized today in this situation to sit in a chariot going south when I'd really like to go north. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I had plans, but I'm going to let those plans be redirected. Now that's a commitment that I know that we have to make. Number one, committed to sharing the gospel. Number two, I need to be ready to be redirected. I need to say, I hold all my plans loosely. The schedules that I've made for this week, I plan on doing this, I plan on going to this doctor's office for this appointment, and I should be done by two o'clock and I'll be back in time for this. Well, maybe you won't be back in time for that. Maybe God will engage you in a divine appointment where someone has been prepped and you need to have a two-hour conversation and you won't be home until four. Are you ready to say that's the way I live my life? I want to be punctual. I want to be disciplined. I want to go where where I say I'm going to go. But if God wants to redirect my schedule today, I'll let him redirect it. I'm sensitive and open to that if God wants to redirect my schedule. Let's just start with that by going to John 4. John chapter 4. Speaking of the foundational work that God did in prepping people in Samaria, our last passage, Jesus was in Samaria, traveling right through the heart of hostile territory. He stops by a well with his disciples and he is famished from the journey in the middle of the day. He has a conversation, as you might remember, with the woman at the well. Smile at me if you remember that story. John chapter four. He sends the disciples in across the valley from where the well historically has been discovered to a village called Sychar and off the disciples go to get some lunch. He waits there by the well, has a long conversation that Jesus then relays later, and it ends up in the gospels of him talking to a Samaritan woman, which was hard enough for them just to go through Samaria because the Samaritans and the Jews hate each other, but he's there having a long conversation one-on-one with this lady at the well. Take a look at this passage in John chapter four. Just to get some context, look at verse 27. The end of the whole conversation, which of course, I guess I should start in verse 26, like the punchline of it all is, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The question was about the Messiah in verse 25. I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. Just then the disciples came back, verse 27, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Why are you talking with her? So the woman, after some time, we don't know how long that was, when they're there kind of being weird about the whole thing, She's like, well, I guess that's my exit. So she goes, okay. She left her water jar. That means she's coming back. And she went into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? I think she knew he was, right? That's why she left her jar, wanted them to come back. And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. So the disciples had already been into town. They got lunch. They brought it back. During this conversation, and probably during the awkward moments of this conversation, before the woman leaves, the disciples were saying, hey, why don't you eat? They were urging him, saying, rabbi, teacher, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, the new one brought him something to eat, and Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Well, my schedule said lunch hour. My stomach says I'd like to have lunch. But I'm ready to have my schedule redirected here because I am, as Christ sets the pattern, resolve to share the message of himself, of the Messiah. I'm going to share that message, and I'm going to let it redirect my time. Can you just at least say today, I mean, you're setting yourself up for success with the next opportunity and divine appointment that you have, just to say, number one, I'm committed to sharing the gospel. I'm committed to it. Didn't ask you to share it. I'm just saying, are you committed to share? Are you resolved to sharing it? And then number two, if God wants to redirect my schedule this week, I will redirect my schedule. If God sovereignly sets something up, I will I will change my schedule. I will make sure that I do whatever it is God wants me to do with someone regarding the gospel, and I'm willing to have my day messed up. Even if I would rather be somewhere else or had somewhere else to go or had something else to do, I will say what ultimately my schedule is to do the will of him who, what's the word? Sent me. Which, by the way, you can see that with a big word over the top of Philippians 2, The Father sends the Son into the world to accomplish a task. Jesus said that a lot, right? The Father has sent me. The Father has sent me. He says in the great high priestly prayer of John 17, he says, you know what? I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. That's the the prayer, at least he says to the Father. Father, I'm sending them just like you sent me. And then at the end of the book, chapter 20, he says, "Just, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus didn't ask us to do something he himself didn't do, and that is leaving the comfort of what he would have much rather have done at least uh, theoretically, staying in the comforts of heaven as opposed to being crucified naked on a cross. I mean, that's a better thing for me personally, but he gives that up to be sent to earth to do his job. And then even the situations of, it'd be great to have some lunch right now, but instead I'm giving up the comfort of my lunch break so I can have this conversation because my food, my ultimate satisfaction is to do the will of him who sent me. And what he wants me to do is to be resolved to share the gospel. And here's a gospel opportunity. I'm going to take it that's a great picture of you holding even the elements of your day, the schedule on your Google Calendar, keeping that in your mind, like, if God wants to interrupt that, I'm ready to have him interrupt that for the sake of the gospel. That's a really, really good thing. And you know what, guys? Verse 35, he says, your afternoon is about to get messed up. Don't you say there are four months and then comes a harvest, right? Put it off, it's coming, we'll get there. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Verse 35, this is chapter 4 of John. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields, they're ready right now. They're white for harvest. Already the one reaps, the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. Certainly he was doing that, and now the woman is doing that. She's saying to the people in Sychar, isn't this the Christ? That's an amazingly satisfying thing when you're storing up gold, silver, and precious stones by taking the opportunity and showing up for the assignments. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Now here come all these people. They got questions. He says, for here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Guys, it's time to reap. Put your falafel down. Put your sandwich down. We're going to go and we're going to share with these people. I sent you to reap right now. I'm sending you to reap. For that which you did not labor. All these people were prepped by me and now they're prepped by the woman and now guess what? Let's get to work. Let's give up our lunch hour and share the gospel. Others have labored that you may enter into their labor. God has prepared people in your world this week. There are people appointed to eternal life in this city, in this county, in your office building, in your neighborhood. God is prepping them. But you got to get from there wherever you would be, in your recliner, in your office, working on whatever, and getting you to a place where you're going to have the conversation. Be ready to be redirected. The redirection might not just be a block on your Google calendar. It it could be much bigger than that. And, And let me take you here real quick. John 21, as long as we're in the neighborhood. John chapter 21. He may want to redirect something bigger. For the sake of your gospel activity, your Conversation about Christ. He may change some big macro things in your life. You, I guess we could look at the, the beginning of this. John, John 21. John 20, resurrection of Christ, post resurrection. Verse 3, to get into the heart of it, Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. I'm going fishing. And the others were affected by that. They go, We'll, we'll go with you. At least some of them. And they went out and they got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So, Peter wants to go back to fishing. At least it seems like that's what's happening here. And Jesus is going to show up and go, No, 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 I don't want you doing that. I need you to redirect your life. Now, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on here. He had fallen on his face in Caiaphas' courtyard. He claimed he would never deny Christ. He denies Christ three times. The rooster crows, all of that, you know, the story from the Bible. We're assuming now in the midst of all of that, he's struggling with the fact that I don't, I don't want to, I don't think I should be doing this. Maybe he didn't feel qualified, didn't feel worthy, didn't feel like he had the track record. But here he is out doing something he used to do. And God says, no, I'm going to skunk you on, on the fishing trip. You're not going to do it. And I'm going to show up, as it says in verse four, as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, Yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And so Jesus starts shelling commands that were precisely what happened when Peter was initially called and Peter was called to leave his nets and said, you've been fishing for fish, but you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So I got a job for you, which by the way was a big forecast for where he was headed. Peter, you're gonna be an evangelist. Peter, you're going to be a preacher. You're gonna be shepherding the people So here's two contrasting metaphors. You can fish for fish on the Sea of Galilee, or you can do what I've called you to do. And that is, if you just drop down to the bottom of this, he says, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Look at verse 15 and following. Finished breakfast, Jesus said, Simon, do you love me more than these? Perhaps the these is referring to this whole life, the net, the fish, the fishing boats, your old life. Perhaps it's, do you love me more than these other guys? You said you did when you fell on your face. Can you step up now and at least prove this? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. That's what shepherds do. Not a fisherman for fish. You're a shepherd for people's souls. That I need you to see this differently. He said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep, which again is a metaphor for his role. You should be an evangelist. You should be sharing the gospel. And this is going to take you away from these nets and this fishing and this lake he said a third time, verse 17, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, this is an interesting line. verse 18, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, right, even before Christ came and told him to leave his nets, you used to dress yourself, underline this, and walk wherever you wanted. Now, I think there's some double entendre here. We know where he's going next because it's defined, you're going to be tied up and led to to execution. You're going to be a martyr. But that's a great reminder even of what's happening here in the near field, which is you're out fishing. I mean, that was your chosen profession. I got a different profession for you. I got a different place for you to work. I need you to be doing this, which by the way, necessitated in Peter's case, leaving the job that you have. And I need you to be willing to be redirected because I want to maximize your usefulness in evangelism, so I'm moving you from this to this. And he says, when you were young, you did whatever you wanted. You went and wherever you wanted. You wore whatever you wanted. Well, when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands, and another's going to dress you and carry you where you're not wanting to go. So here was a sign of his martyrdom. He said this, I know that, from verse 19, to show what kind of death he was to glorify God, which, by the way, sidebar, that's not a very nice thing to say. right? How's that going to encourage him? Well, remember the background, which I think is the undercurrent of this passage. Peter feels like a failure. That's why he's not willing to step up into the pulpit and preach and lead and be an evangelist. And here he says, listen, no, trust me. You're going to be so committed and loyal that you are going to die as a martyr for me. So get out there and do what I asked you to do. Matter of fact, that's a great line. Bottom of verse 19. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So. I'm just saying it may be that in your life, God redirects a few lunch appointments this week, but he may also direct something much bigger than that. It may be that you're up right now for some kind of promotion in your job. And if that thing happens, it will be, you know, curtailing the effectiveness you could have had over here and you were starting to see happen over here. And you would be someone that would be more effective in the evangelism of your life. And you have to say, you know what? Does it make sense? Maybe to some of my family members, does it make f- any sense, to my colleagues, but I'm going to say no to this because I know God's redirecting me over here because my resolve to share the gospel is going to be curtailed if I take that job, if I take that promotion.
0: You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares, and today's message titled Showing Up for Divine Appointments. Pastor Mike will join us again in just a moment with one more announcement, so please stay with us. And don't forget you can listen to this program or any of our previous messages anytime when you go to focalpointradio.org. If you share Pastor Mike's passion to share the gospel and make the truth of the Bible clear, then I encourage you to request a copy of this month's featured resource titled How to Know God Exists: Solid Reasons to Believe in God, Discover Truth, and Find Meaning in Your Life. It's a helpful Q&A book by Josh McDowell and Thomas Williams, and we'll send you a copy when you donate this month. Request a copy of How to Know God Exists when you make a generous donation to support this program at focalpointradio.org or by calling us at 888-320-5885. Or if you prefer, write to us at Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Well, during these winter months, you may be dreaming about your summer vacation. And while there are lots of places you can go for fun, perhaps this year you're looking for a vacation with a purpose. If so, Pastor Mike has some great news for you. Mike?:
1: Hi, Pastor Mike Fabar is here. In the summer of 2024, I'll be teaching the Bible on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. I want you to come with me. From August the 4th through August 11th, 2024, we're going to discover the splendor of God's word while we explore the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Join us for world-class dining, daily teaching, worship. It'll be an unforgettable experience. So don't wait to book
0: your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska to learn more. Thanks, Pastor Mike. To get more information and find out how you can join Pastor Mike on a cruise to Alaska this summer, go to focalpointradio.org. Well, that's all for today. I'm your host, Dave Drouy, hoping you'll come back tomorrow for the final installment of a message all about showing up for divine appointments. Make plans to join us Wednesday right here on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here.
1: You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear, but we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's Word is truth. If you want to send me a
0: question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at FocalPointRadio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.